Right, so we'll continue in our series this morning on maintaining spiritual fervency. And this morning specifically, I want to continue what I started a couple of weeks ago. I think that was last month on overcoming spiritual shallowness. Overcoming spiritual shallowness. Let's be reminded that our text for this series still remains Revelations 3, 15 and 16. And Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 to 12. In Romans chapter 12 verse 10 to 12, the Bible says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. He said, in honor, preferring one another. He said, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, he says, I know thy works, that you are neither cold nor hot. He said, I would that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. So we'll see here, you know, over and over again, that God's desire for you and I is for us to choose sides. I remember the scripture that says, you know, when Joshua was having, you know, a battle, the Bible says that an angel of the Lord appeared and he didn't know it was an angel because many times, when an angel appears, it will not appear the way Hollywood has portrayed angels. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is in retrospect, oftentimes, that you will realize what you experience as an angelic visitation. Most times. Most times. Most times. That's what the Bible says that even Abraham, the Bible says he entertained angels on our ears. So it simply means when God came visiting him, they didn't look like angels. That was not why he entertained those strangers. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Am I making sense this morning? So you and I need to realize, anyway, you and I need to realize that God's desire for us this morning and all through the rest of our life is to choose sides. So when the angel appeared, right, to Joshua, Joshua said, are you on the Lord's side? See, no, no. He said, are you for us or against us? And the angel responded. The reason why he asked is because he didn't look like an angel. If it appeared like an angel, the way we believe angels should appear, Joshua wouldn't have asked that question. And he said, I'm not on your side. Neither am I. I'm not for you or against you. I am on the Lord's side. You are the one that must decide your side. I hear what I'm saying. And that's the same thing Jesus is saying to us again and again. You know, oftentimes when people want to quote scriptures, they say the Bible said. It's actually a wrong thing to say. The Bible did not say the Bible says. Because whatever Jesus said, he is still saying. So it is not a thing of past tense. So what Jesus said, that's why the same thing he says to one, he is saying to all. So if Jesus is saying, or if he said, right, to John the Beloved, right, in the book of Revelations, he's saying the same thing to us. That I will rather you are hot or cold, because you cannot be both. You cannot be both. I want you to look at your neighbor say, neighbor, you cannot be hot and cold at the same time look at that neighbor clear your throat <coughs> and say neighbor be hot you've got to be hot you cannot be hot and cold at the same time most times lukewarm water is very useless most times you can't use it for eba it will spoil you can't use it for gary <laughs> what do you use it for you use it for seven <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oftentimes, because if you really want to use what you say, you use cold or hot. So what Jesus is trying to say, say, 
When you don't choose your side, you even become useless to God. In a sense. In a sense. And even the world does not know where to place you. Imagine someone that wants to cross the road. And the person, have you seen those kind of people before? They are trying to cross. And now stay. They come back. <laughs> when you see those people, how do you feel? Like, what's wrong with this person? Decide, are you crossing or you are going back? Do you know spiritually many of us are like that? We are not sure yet if we want to be fervent or if we want to be cold. And Jesus is admonishing us. Be hot. Be hot. Be fervent. That's what the Bible says. Be fervent in spirit. It says serving the Lord. Because you cannot even serve God effectively without fervency. You cannot. And we must ensure that in spite of the situation we find ourselves, I said that before, in spite of the circumstances, and in spite of the season we find ourselves in, our fervency must not be tampered with. What do I mean by that? There are times when some people say things like, you know, when I was, you know, I've said this a couple of times, when I was in school, I used to be fervent. Because that's time, that season of your life, you were single. You had no responsibility. Now you are married. Maybe you even have children. You are no longer fervent. That's not an excuse for losing your fervency. No matter the season you find yourself. I love what Apostle Paul said. He said, I've learned how to abound and I've learned how to abase. So whether you are having abundance or you are having not so much, still be fervent. Some people, the day they begin to experience abundance is the day they will lose their fervency. The reason some people are still fervent is because they don't have much. The moment God blesses them beyond where they are right now, they will start worshipping those things. I hear what I'm saying. The reason why some people can wake up in the night to pray is because even the environment is hot anyway. There is it. So they wake up to pray. They convert you to prayer when they can't sleep. But now you have AC everywhere. And you are saying God understands. He also understands that you are not serious. That's what he understands. Because in spite of the season you find yourself, in spite, number two, the circumstances, whether you are going through a season of contradiction, you have a job or you don't have a job, you are single or you are married, in spite and regardless of the circumstances, you and I, we must stay fervent. I hear what I'm saying. You must remain fervent. You must remain fervent. This morning, can we have Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1 to 5 on the screen? Ezekiel chapter 47 and verse 1 to 5. Ezekiel 47, not Ezra. Ezekiel 47 and verse 1 to 5. The Bible says, Afterward, it brought me again unto the door of the house. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east. And the waters came down from under, from the right hand of the house, at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate, northward, and led me about the way, without unto the outer gate, by the way that looked eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had, that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits. And it brought me through the waters. And the waters were to the ankles. Again, it measured a thousand. And brought me through the waters. And the waters were to the knees. Again, it measured a thousand. And brought me through. The waters were to the loins. Afterward, it measured a thousand. And it was a river that I could not pass over. 
for the waters were risen waters to swim in i love the way another translation puts it it says you know the water became so deep to walk through so we see here that the level of the water level right kept changing you say okay so it's xcsb right it says it was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be crossed on foot do you see that so it simply means that you and i the level of debt you have today spiritually can increase it can increase he says the first level it was ankle deep it got to another level a knee deep it got to another level waist deep then it got to a level where you could not walk through the waters right it was too deep it was too deep it was too deep and i'm going to be giving us you know clarity this morning on what it means to be spiritually deep because sometimes when somebody says some people say, mm, deep that's not the meaning of deep you know today everybody has become philosophers haven't you noticed people write quote book quote everywhere are going through something they say, in this life i have come to discover trust no man <laughs> and so we're mm, deep what's deep about that <laughs> like a dear man of god said that you know a younger one to him was telling him about the movie you know that i watched the movie very interesting movie so he said he asked him wow what did you learn in the movie and the man was 40 you know or maybe 35 there about he said what did you learn in move in the movie he said you know i learned that we live in a wicked world he said wow so it took you 35 years to learn in a movie that you live in a wicked world you are behind shadow in this thing that will take you 35 years i was like mm, mm, deep that's not what depth is and that's the purpose of this teaching this morning for us to come to that place of spiritual depth and you and I, the encouragement I want to give to us this morning is that we should go for depth. Because depth is what determines height. Please write that down. Depth is what determines height. The best illustration I can give is the construction of a building. From the depth of the foundation of that building, you can literally determine the height that building will rise. Isn't it? No, no sane person, in, nobody in their right mind will build a 50-story building on a foundation of five floors. Nobody does. Nobody does. So, it is from the digging of the foundation that you determine the height of the building. Not resources. So, maybe someone, you know, decides, oh, the resources I have can only build a bungalow. But as we are about to complete the building, you now realize I have more money. You know, we do that a lot in this country. Let's make it two story. You have just constructed a monumental coffin. Because it's only a matter of time that thing will fall. It might take a while, but it's going to come down. That's why when you go to some, you know, especially Europe, where they have very old buildings, you see some buildings. Those buildings have been in existence since 18 something something. Some in the early 1900s. Why? Because of the quality and the depth of what was built. When you look at the tallest building in the world, as at this moment, I don't know if another one has dwarfed it, the Burj Khalifa. The Burj Khalifa, I think it took them over one year, maybe even two years, to build the foundation. So, you don't dig foundation, you build it. It might seem as if you are going on that the same way as a believer, because you cannot experience depth without intentionality. So, when you are creating time to build spiritual depth, the people around you that seems not to be paying attention to those things it might seem as if they are moving ahead of you in life don't be deceived they will soon pack up 
It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Imagine you want to travel. Very fantastic illustration that everybody will get. You want to travel, but you're almost already late. You're looking at the time. Oh, I want to get somewhere, you know, by, let's say, in three hours' time. But you look at your fuel gauge. Ah, huh? It can only drive you for 30 minutes. But you are so much in a hurry. You pass the first fuel station. Fuel station. Maybe like Lagos Ibadan. You pass the second one. You pass Mui, you didn't buy fuel. You pass Redemption Camp, you didn't buy fuel. The moment you pass interchange, you know your likelihood of finding fuel is almost next to nothing. Many of those fuel stations, they have gone out of business. But you just keep assuming, uh, I will buy fuel. You know, that's the deception many of us, that's what we tell ourselves. In the future, we serve God. In the future, we'll be more serious. And in the future, you know, when you ask someone, why are you not serving in church? Why haven't you given your life to Christ? Why are you not coming for prayer meetings? And say, you know, uh, when I marry, when I get a job, we already know that the reasons you are giving is the reason you will not do those things. That's going to be the reason. If you can't do it now, you will not do it later. But you know, someone else that you start the journey together. There are branches at a fuel station. Even if there is a long queue, the person will look stupid. You may think, or that person may think he has gone ahead of you. But by the time you spend time, you wait to fuel your car, most likely you will meet the person on the way. Trying to wave down a car. Asking for fuel. You know, that's the story Jesus told us in the parable of the virgins. He said there were ten virgins. So, virginity is not synonymous to wisdom. Because Jesus said there were five that were, that, that were foolish. And there were five. That, it was not a man that said it, Jesus. He said they were foolish virgins. What was the difference? They were all virgins. But some took out time to put oil in their lamp. The others thought it was not necessary. That's how some of us now, we think our spiritual state is not necessary. As long as I'm making the money. The Bible tells us that riches can develop wings. There is no money that cannot be lost overnight. Let me tell you. Only one sickness can wipe out a lifetime of wealth accumulation. Your only guarantee for the future is the foundation you have in God. I know it's so amazing that people try to put God under pressure when they have run into trouble. The person you never created time for, you now want to put him under pressure. You say, God, don't look like me. Lord, look at me like this. Have you had such prayers? Don't look at me like this. God, where are you? He's in the same place he was when his son was being crucified on the cross. And he did nothing. Praise the Lord. So go for debt. Look at your neighbor once again. Say, neighbor, scream it in that person's face. Go for debt. Stop being shallow. Go for debt. You see, one of the problems we have today in the Nigerian church is that there are too many shallow Christians. We have lots of churches, but very, very few deep Christians. Very few. Very few. You'll have conversation with some people, you know, so-called Christians. In fact, it can even happen before they leave church service. And they are saying something, and somebody said, see, let us leave Bible aside now. Really? A Christian, let us, you know, this is not Bible. Wow. Amazing. Let's leave Bible aside. <laughs> Praise God. So please go for depth. Go for depth. And please understand three things about depth. Number one, spiritual depth is a choice. It is not a gift. 
it is not a gift. If you see anyone that has a relationship with God, you see, they, they, they made it a choice. Remember one of the things a lot of people were saying about my pastor when we celebrated his birthday, his birthday last week, was everybody kept calling him, you know, by the grace of God, he's going to be here very soon. Praise the Lord. You know, soon is relative. <laughs> but very soon. One of the things a lot of people kept saying is, is a walking Bible. That everyone can quote scripture. That, but you know how he became? He was not born that way. He became that way. How? He said in 1988, he made the decision that he has not broken since 1988. No Bible, no breakfast. No Bible, no breakfast. You, you have even gone months without Bible. Spiritual depth is a choice. It is not a gift. If you see anyone that is close to God, they chose to be close to God. If you see anyone that is spiritually fervent, they chose to. It was not a gift. It does not even come through impartation. See, let me tell you this. I can lay my hands on you. It does not transfer my experiences in God to you. It doesn't. It doesn't. If I let me tell you this. Laying hands on you is an implication on you. It simply means the price that I paid, you must pay. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No, people like people touching them anyhow. Lay hands on me, lay hands on me. It's not about laying hands. There's a critical part, but if you are not paying the same price, it will be dry hands. That's why a lot of hands have been laid on so many people, but nothing to show for it. Because the hand will only activate what it meets there. So spiritual death is a choice. Number two, spiritual death happens over time, not overnight. Spiritual death happens over time and not overnight. It happens over time and not overnight. Number three, spiritual death is not a function of age and longevity in the faith. So the fact that somebody has been saved for 10 years or they've been attending church services for 20 years does not mean they will be spiritually deep. Hear what I'm saying? There are so many people that have been in church all their life who are very spiritually shallow. So what does it mean to be spiritually deep? Before I go into that, let me just tell us the spiritual depth, please write this down, is a byproduct of consistency. Consistency, consistency, consistency. If you're going to express spiritual depth, you must understand that it is impossible without consistency. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. Apostle Paul wrote to his son Timothy, he said, but continue down in the things that you have learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. Continue, continue. Even when you feel like it, continue. When you don't feel like it, continue. He says, continue in these things. To go deep spiritually, you must be willing to engage in certain spiritual disciplines for the long haul. And we learned that at the midweek recharge on Wednesday. The spiritual disciplines required for spiritual fervency. And you must be consistent in those things. Consistency. Some people do something for one month. They don't see the desired result and they give up. This thing is not working. Says who? God told Jeremiah. He says you are going to uproot. You are going to dig up before you begin to plant. Some of us, the reason why it seems as if some things are not manifesting yet is because we have a backlog of negativity. For instance, the declaration of faith. Let me tell you how it works. Some of us all your life, you have been saying negative things. 
and people have said negative things to you. So you now start declaring God's word. You expect that it will just see if you get a quick result, it is God trying to encourage you and tell you that this thing works. It will not always work like that. I hear what I'm saying. Sometimes those words that you are saying, it will first address the issues, the negative things we have said. Number two, your heart must first be established in what you are saying. Number three, when you now continue saying it, you now get to a point where you have so much faith that these things that I've said, it will come to pass. That's how it works. I hear what I'm saying. Number two, spiritual depth is a byproduct of discipline. 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 It takes discipline to wake up in the morning to pray. Isn't it? It takes discipline to say, I want to pray for over one hour. Oh, pastor, I say, you see, when people attack some things, it's because they are indisciplined. Pastor will be saying, as a serious believer, you should be praying one hour a day. Who has that time? But you have time for other things. You are not disciplined. That's what it means. Or you've chosen not to be disciplined. And let me tell you this, indiscipline in one area will filter into other areas. It's only a matter of time. Number three, spiritual depth is a byproduct of intimacy. Intimacy. James chapter 4 and verse 8, the Bible says, draw near to me. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James 4 and verse 8. So spiritual depth is a byproduct of intimacy with God. If you don't have a strong relationship with God, you can never be spiritually deep. I don't care how many quotable quotes you are quoting. I don't care how many apostles and pastors and prophets you are quoting. And so, 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 and so said, uh, they said, you, what are you saying? What has God said to you? Spiritual depth is also a byproduct of teachability. Teachability. If you are not teachable, you cannot be spiritually deep. Teachability. Philippians 3 and verse 10. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. And Apostle Paul said this after several encounters with God that I may know him. What are you knowing again? I think we should ask him. What do you want to know again? Apostle Paul had encounters with God that he said God told him these things that I've told you. You have no right to tell any man. And that man was still saying that I may know him. That's teachability. You see, because the more you know, the more you realize how much you don't know. People who square up their shoulder like they have boil under their armpits, they know little. You've read two books now. You've read five books. We can't rest. Praise the Lord. It's amazing how some people recommend books to the people that should be recommending books to them. Isn't it amazing? There's nothing wrong, but it depends on the spirit with which you do it. Do you understand? Hmm. You can go to my pastor and say, Reverend, Shazika, I've read this book. You should read it. It will change your life. Really? Wow. I must be very smart there. <laughs> Praise God. So what does it mean to be spiritually deep? We need to know this. To be spiritually deep is to consistently increase in your hunger, thirst, and passion for God, His presence, His kingdom, and His word. It's a mouthful, so I'm going to say it again. To be spiritually deep is to consistently increase in your hunger, in your thirst, and passion for God. His presence, His kingdom, and His word. It is not knowing Greek and Hebrew. And the Greek word for peace is shalom. 
and shalom, the root word of shalom, it doesn't mean you are deep. It just means you have knowledge. It just means you have read something. It doesn't mean you are spiritually deep. To be spiritually deep, number one, is to consistently increase in your hunger, in your thirst, in your passion for God, His presence, His kingdom, and His word. You have no passion for God. You have no passion for His presence. You have no passion for His word. And you are saying you are spiritually deep. No, no, no. no. Somebody lied to you. You are not deep at all. Number two, to be spiritually deep is to have strong beliefs, convictions, and persuasions based on the written word of God. Please write it down. To be spiritually deep, number two, is to have strong beliefs, convictions, and and persuasions based on the written word of God. So when you say someone is spiritually deep, it simply means their convictions, their persuasion, their beliefs. Right? It's based on the written word, not on Rema. Minister Ezekiel said that on Sunday. Very apt. Some people, the the written word, they have not embraced it. They say Rema, Rema. What was that? That's not Rema. That's rave nonsense. There's no Rema there. Am I making sense? It means you're... When somebody says, one of the things you notice about spiritually deep people is that when there is a conversation or they want to make a decision, unconsciously, the question they always ask themselves is, what does the Bible say about it? That's spiritually de- that's spiritual depth. I hear what I'm saying. That's spiritual depth. What does the Bible say about it? Not what are the opinions of men. What is Cardi B saying? You don't say what is Cardi B saying, but when you want to choose your style of clothes and you go to Cardi B or Kim Kardashian's timeline, what you are invariably saying is what is Cardi B saying? The same way, if you want to make decisions, right, and you go to the word of God, what you are invariably doing is what is God saying? Number three, to be spiritually deep, is to have a great part of your life, time, relationships, resources, and mind focused and dedicated to the establishment and expansion of God's kingdom. You don't have to write everything. I have a very short time this morning. Just if you don't get everything, <laughs> listen to the message. It's on the website and it's on YouTube. To be spiritually deep is to have a great part of your life, your time your resources, your relationship, and mind focused and dedicated to the establishment and expansion of God's kingdom. If your time is not involved in the things of God, your resources are not involved, your relationships are not involved, your thoughts are not involved, you are not spiritually deep. That's what it means to be shallow. That's what it means to be shallow. That's what it means to be shallow. The question we need to ask ourselves this morning is, you see, many times when people want to enter into new seasons, they have personal plans and goals right this quarter i want to achieve this what are your kingdom goals what are your kingdom goals what do you want to do in the house of the lord you call god your father do you know the implication of that when you say somebody is your father ah huh? you are interested in the state of the affairs i hear what i'm saying if you don't care about the house of god you, you are, he's not your father he's your god at best because God is the God of the whole earth. But he's not father to everyone. Am I making sense? To be spiritually deep. Number four. Is to have a firm grip. On the basic and foundational doctrines and principles of God's word. 
to be spiritually deep is to have a firm grip on the basic and foundational doctrines and principles of God's word. It's not about learning so high-sounding stuff that you cannot even apply. It's knowing the basics and having a firm grip on it. The basics of prayer. The basics of fasting. The basics of quiet time. The basics of personal word study. The basics of praying in tongues. The basics of selecting your association carefully. The basics of giving. The basics of sacrifice. Those are basics in the kingdom. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Before you start going to learn about ten heavens. And the demonology of theology. Or whatever. You know, sometimes the reason why people do those things is bragging rights. It's not really that their life is... That's why... Go and check. Go and check. Go and check. Many theology teachers, some of them are not even saved. Go and check. They know all the Latin. Some of them will even argue with you that speaking in tongues is a thing of the past. God no longer used to be. You hear some of those things. How many of your professors that taught you in school do you want to be like? Amen. They know so much, but apply so little. So always ask yourself, what is God's word saying? You cannot leave the Bible out of your life. And some people say, let's be realistic. What can be more realistic than God's word? <laughs> Had the joke sometimes back about the guy that was having conversation with his friend. So they're trying to make an, an illustration. And I said, assuming you are the poor man, he said, even in an assumption, I cannot be poor. I love that guy. So even in an assumption. He said, hey, let's just assume, just imagine. He said, even in my imagination. Hey, I cannot imagine. <laughs> you know, that's the way some people can leave the Bible out of. Their friends tell them, oh, back the Bible, no? Leave the Bible. And so, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. How, how do you leave the Bible? How? They better face reality. Face reality, oh. Face reality. Hmm. So what are the signs and solutions to spiritual shallowness? The signs of spiritual shallowness and how to overcome it. The last time I spoke about this, I spoke about four or five. There about. So I'm just going to run through it and give us the solutions. Number one, sign of spiritual shallowness is lack of the knowledge of scriptures. The lack of knowledge of scriptures, especially about specific issues of life. How do you know you are spiritually shallow? You don't know scriptures that address specific needs. Also, the Gateway Church is a church, you know, with a lot of young people, single and married. How many scriptures do you know about marriage? How many? Oh, so they have told you uh, marriage is a bed of roses and tongues. Rose will choke you today, tongue will pinch you tomorrow, and you believe it. Is that what the Bible says? See, let me tell you this. Your experiences and my experiences cannot change God's plan. So even when your experiences don't line with God's word yet, you ensure that you stay in faith that your experience must line up with what God has said. What does the Bible say about finances? We are trusting God for money. What does he say about finances? You are trusting God for healing. What are the basic scriptures you know about? That's what it means to be spiritually deep. That's how you overcome spiritual shallowness. 
Some of us, oh, if I ask everybody now after this service, which I'm still going to do, I'm going to make altar call. Because in this kind of message, you should make an altar call. Praise the Lord. Some of us will not come out. But if I ask you, give me two scriptures that gives you the conviction you are saved. You'll be able to give me. That's spiritual shallowness. You know, some Christians are still not sure if they will make heaven. If raptures, if the trumpet blows now, parara. You know that thing is not in the Bible. That you will hear parara. It's the figment of people's imagination. The day you see, you show me. Some of us will say, the angel in Revelations, read it. It's not the trumpet of rapture that they will blow. Go and check it. That's why you need to read God's word for yourself. So if I ask you now, how do you know you are saved? How do you know you will make heaven? Some of us say, ah, oh, I'm just hoping. Hope is not faith. And hope is not a strategy. You must know God, your conviction. Remember, it's that to be spiritually deep. It's to have your convictions, your persuasion, and beliefs on the written word, based on the written word. So it means you must know the word. That's why somebody can tell you today that Titan is not scriptural. Because you don't know yourself, the scripture that your Titan practice is based on. Oh, we tell me now Titan is not scriptural. You came too late. Came too late, or healing is not scriptural, or divine help, favor is not scriptural. We came too late. The second sign of shallowness. So, how do you overcome that shallowness? Spend schedule time on the word. Spend schedule time. If you are going to have the knowledge of scriptures about basic issue, um, specific areas of life, you must spend time in the word. Especially in studying the word, not glossing over it. Last week Sunday, my pastor made us, you know, to make a commitment to read the four gospels in a month. I hope you are starting. <laughs> and he told us to make a commitment, of public commitment. You know, praise the Lord. Ask all of us to make that commitment. Now, is the third day you will break the commitment? Why? Because you are not scheduling time for it. Nobody knows anything by accident. If you are going to know the word about specific areas, you will plan the time for it. Number two, sign of spiritual shallowness is inability to quote scripture correctly. You can't be an adult and you are still saying plus Jesus minus Satan. For John so loved the God that he gave the only word that he had. Huh? I even I just quoted rubbish. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. You, your own is for John so loved the God. Some people now even paraphrase it. See, let me tell you something. If you can learn other things, you can learn scriptures. If you can sing lonely at the top, and you sing the lyrics correctly, you should be able to quote scriptures correctly. Because it's the same brain you are using. It's just the space and the attention you have given to what? Am I making sense? You must deliberately memorize scripture. See, this that's why I said to be spiritually deep is to have a firm grip on the basic. Many of us think memorizing scripture is for greenhouse. For children's church. No, it's for everybody. Till you die, you must be memorizing scripture. You are not too big to do the basics. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are not too big to do it. 
I'm not too big to do it. If you can't do a scripture a day, memorize a scripture per week. And how do you do it? Write it somewhere. Huh? I saw something yesterday, you know. I, don't, I, I just accidentally stumbled on, you know, I think it's Sister Precious. Sister Precious, where are you? I've not seen you today. All right. I saw something on our wallpaper. I to do for yesterday. She wrote it on the notes. I don't know if it was yesterday, but I was impressed. A post-it note. And she stamped, snapped it and used that a wallpaper. Why? Many of us touch our phone minimum 50 times a day. You can use that as a strategy for memorizing scripture. Write the scripture with your own hand. Huh? Snap it. Use it as your wallpaper. Before you open Instagram, you will first see that scripture. You think it's not entering you. It is entering you. That's why many of us in the days of challenges, there, are, there is nothing to say. Nothing just comes out of your heart. Because it is not there. It's not there. That's it. The, blood, the, see, the only thing many of us... The only weapon we know. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Even when that's not the thing to see. Imagine when the devil came to Jesus. And said, turn stones to bread. Jesus said, the blood. Who even say, because that's his own blood. My blood. My blood. <laughs> or the blood of God. <laughs> what would he have said? But he said, it is written. How was he able to say what was written? Because he memorized it. And in case you don't know, what Jesus quoted in Matthew 4 and verse 4 was Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. It means he read what was written thousands of years ago. So when people say, how do we know the Bible is from God? How do we know all those things? If Jesus memorized it, Jesus would have been memorizing the book of man. The words of man. Huh? Jesus would have been memorizing it. You see? Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3. It means Jesus took out time. The word and let me tell you something you must know today. Remember that the first temptation, the devil said, it is written. Jesus replied, the next time the, the devil was going to tempt him, the devil also responded with, it is written. He shall give his angels. The devil knows what is written. You better know it. You better know it. Because your adversary knows it. That's why a lot of people that are falling into error, they thought they were obeying God. Because the adversary knew more than them. And that's renewed more than them. Number three, sign of spiritual shallowness is inability to pray for one hour. That one, I will say it to Jesus come. Whoever likes it or does, does not like it is not my business. Because Jesus said it. And the words of Jesus are more important than the opinions of man. Jesus said, can't you watch with me for one hour? That's the minimum. The minimum. If pray for one hour, you still think it's a burden as a believer. You are not ready to grow. You are not ready to grow. If you can't do it at a stretch, break it. Break it into 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the evening. Plan your prayer time and be accountable about it. That's the solution to that. Plan it and be accountable. How do you become accountable? You tell somebody about it. Tell somebody about it. Number four, sign of spiritual shallowness is inability to lead and teach. After three and a half years of being a Christian, why did I say that? Because Jesus spent three and a half years with his believers, um, with the disciples. And after that, he left them. And the Bible says they turned the world upside down. So if you have been born again for over three years or four years, and there is nobody that you are mentoring, or someone that has come to the faith through you, that's spiritually shallow. People should not only give testimony that when I met pastor, when I must first in my life changed. No, that's a testimony that every believer should have. I hear what I'm saying. Oh, that when I met Sister Tokme, when I met Sister Dio, when I met Brother 
John, when I met brother Chris, when I met brother, what's your name? Hold on, people say, I didn't mention my name. So what's I can't mention everybody's name. <laughs> that would just be the service. <laughs> Praise the Lord. When I met so and so, my life changed. That should be our testimonies. So what's the solution to overcoming that particular shallowness? Huh? Mentor someone. Teach others what you have been taught. Teach others. You see, when you start teaching others, you become more responsible. You become more responsible. Except your heart is not right. For instance, I can't teach about spiritual depth now. Spiritual fervency. And I will now spend the whole week and I will not pray. Don't you know that? Even if I forget, something will remind me that you are teaching others. You are you doing it? So one of the ways to hold yourself responsible and accountable, teach others. Number next is disinterest in Christian literature, music, and gatherings. Mentioned that before. So create time for study and plan the materials you want to study. So if you're going to be interested in spiritual materials, you will plan it. What books do I want to read this month? What books do I want to read this quarter? Number six, sign of spiritual shallowness is undue crave for new doctrines. Undue crave for new doctrines. Undue crave. Some people are always looking for new truth. That's why today everybody has their truth. Have you read it recently? My truth. My truth. You are shallow. That's what it means. There is no my truth. There is only the truth. Any truth that does not align with scripture is a lie. Who says that you know that, that that's my truth? I don't know what to, by the time all of us have truth, what will now be the truth? Huh? What will be true by the time all of us have different truths? Somebody is lying. He says, You know, my truth is I, I didn't really mean it that way, but my truth is I didn't plan to say it that way. You are a liar. <laughs> I come from Ibadan, they can abuse very well. So sometimes it just comes out. <laughs> Praise God. Means you are a liar, pathological. That's what it means, Yoruba. A pathological liar. And lying to yourself. And you say, people may be lying to you, but don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself. The worst thing that can happen to a man is that person to get to a point where they start lying to themselves. On due crave for new doctrine. So what solution to that? Be established in the teachings of where God has placed you. Be established in the teachings of where God has placed you. Be established in it. Be established in it. Be established in it. The things you have heard, the things that you have learned, hear it and rehear it. It's about establishment. It's not about head knowledge. There are so many things many of us know that we are not yet established in. You know it, but you are not established in it. Go back to those things. Go back to those things. And the next sign of shallowness, inability to sit down to hear God's word for long. Inability to what? Sit down to hear God's word for long. Today we live in a fast food age. And many want that mindset to, to be adopted in church. Not in this kind of place. The gateway church is very contemporary. Ah? Well, let me tell you this. There are some basics we never lose sight of. Today, church service is as effective, is effective to the point where it is short. Not in the gateway. They even now say, you know... <laughs> How, how do you become strong by hearing 25 minutes message on Sundays? How? Once a week. And it's not like those who are, you hear it again during the week. I said that message is too long. Which message is too long? A one hour message is too long. 
I was telling the leaders, I said, very soon we are going to have apostolic services. What do I mean by that? Service that will just worship and I will take the mic and I will preach. I will tell you in advance, so if you like, don't come to church, but I know you will come because God will change your life. And I will preach for three hours, four hours. Ha ha. But you know you will enjoy it. When I preach for long, do you know? You know? <laughs> See, Apostle Paul taught for six hours. I've told you the story. You took us. And we're growing up. We read that part in the Bible. I was telling them the other day, Mommy, how we learned that Uticus in the Bible. When you are sleeping out during prayer, my parents will remind you of Uticus. Who is Uticus? Uticus, Apostle Paul was preaching. Uticus slept off. He had forgotten he was sitting by the window, two story building. He fell down and died. Apostle Paul raised him up and kept preaching. If you calculate it, Apostle Paul spoke for six hours. But today, people sit down in church, they are hearing message. 15 minutes, they are already looking at the time. And we are surprised at the kind of Christians we are producing. It shouldn't be a surprise. You can only get out of a place what you have invested in it. You can't produce strong Christian by salmonets. You can only have Christianets. <laughs> Not Christians. Praise God. Do you know that no student goes to school and expects to hear 30 minutes lecture? And become a doctor after five years. No law student expects in his right frame of mind that he will attend lectures and one hour per week. After hearing legal words for one hour, four years later, he will become a lawyer. That becomes a quack lawyer. But people expect that by one hour message every week, I will be a believer. A strong one. You are lying to yourself. You are lying to yourself. If we can sit down and listen to eight-hour lectures in our institution, you should be able to sit down and hear God's word for long. If you can watch Netflix, how can me also? Huh? I had that one recently. May I never watch it? Huh? And there was one who said he was watching the time. I've casted you. Wura. Have they finished it? They still not finished it. The last time I asked, they said it had 100 episodes. They have passed 100 now. You can watch Wura, but you can't hear the word. Wura, you will hear it and forget. The word of... See, let me tell you something about God's word. When you are hearing God's word, you don't know you are changing, but something is changing in you. You will not know. It's just like when you are growing. Did you know you were growing? You woke up one morning and you were and your bones were your hand was just getting longer. Eh, what is that about? No. Growth always happens subtly. You don't feel it, but change is taking place. The same way, the word of God, the only way it can change you is sometimes you need to sit down. There are times I just decide today, all I want to hear is God's word. I will sit down. There are some of my pastor's messages. I will hear over. It will finish. I will hear it again. Not that I'm hearing it to preach it. I'm hearing it for life to enter. Because Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Let's rise up on our feet this morning. Can we begin to pray in the Holy Ghost? We said we're going to do that all through the series. So in the next 60 seconds, can we just lift up our voices and pray in the Holy Ghost? Oh, come on, pray out loud. 
pray out loud. You don't pray under your breath. Come on. <laughs> there is no landlord that will tell you that you are praying too loud. This is your father's house. Come on. Oh, we are still not doing it right. We are not there yet. It can be better than that. It can be better than that. One of the ways you stir up yourself is by praying in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, Beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Oh, mashatakala bayegele montaha pironde. Geluza bananto priandosh kesate yakapani. Oh, raki gobandele duramani shitaya. Gelado shiparonde katuskapaye. Lepanda rose klagidon de balanon de brenishadaya. Oh, shadala bayekeroteni. Kobrinishka santeya kapaya. In Jesus' name we pray.